The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Well, it's uh, almost the end of the year. Next week will be our final show for 2019, and it'll be 2019 in review. And what a year it's been. It's been a year of the good, the bad, the ugly. We've seen progress with regards to the Zonda Commission, with the PRC Commission. We've had people on the show that have been valiant crime fighters who have chatted to us shortly after their retirement, such as Willie Hoffmeyer. And, of course, we've had people like Angelo Agrizi on the show who've chatted about the role they played in state capture. And we're very open about how they benefited from that particular role. Today's show is going to be no different. We're going to be interviewing a gentleman that has become quite controversial, somebody who regards himself as a whistleblower and has been at the forefront of trying to get his particular story out there, and it's a particularly scary story. Um, as in all Agatha Christie novels, one always wants to find out whether the butler did it. Well, today we're going to find out from somebody who was a butler to a very famous South African whether or not, in fact, his story is credible. I'm going to be joined in studio by Jan Fenter, who was butler to Matthews Pausa and has of late been exceptionally vocal in discussing certain aspects of um, crime, corruption, fraud that happened on his watch while he was involved with some seriously well-known South African political and legal figures. I'd like to remind you that the views expressed on the show by our guest is not that of High FM, its presenters or its management, and that the BCCSA is here and available should you have any queries regarding our shows. High FM has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech, or the description of gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa at P.O. Box 412365 Craig Hall 2024 That's the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa P.O. Box 412365 Craig Hall 2024 Or send an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za For more information please visit www.bccsa.co.za you're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. We're broadcasting live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM and streaming worldwide on highfm.com. Joining me in studio today is somebody who was labeled in the media as a whistleblower. Others have, have named him as somebody who could be perceived as an agent provocateur. I remember reading about him as being the butler to Matthew's pauser. Young friends, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. As somebody who's been investigating crime for most of my adult life and reporting on it, I never thought I'd meet somebody who was actually labeled a butler. <laughs> we always talk about whether the butler did it or not. Were you employed as a butler by Mr. Pozza? Not really. Um, I started out with Dr. Pozza. I was the manager of a security company in Hazyview. I don't want to mention too many names. Um, what I need to mention today on the station is that the case has taken a dramatic turn. 
that um, when I spoke to you, Chad, originally, when I had to come onto the program, I wanted to say what I wanted to say, how I wanted to say it. Then last week, I, in fact, got, I get two weekly updates from the investigating officer of the Hawks on how far the investigative docket is. Yeah, and I need to stop you because our listeners need to understand what case you're talking about. Okay, well, So okay. Let's, let's go back in time a little bit. Okay. Um, you started working for a security company and then you started working for Mr. Pause. Okay, what I did was, for the security company, I was their branch manager. So, Dr. Pause was busy building a house in my district, that fell under my branch Because it fell under my branch I had to look at the security at the house I had to look at his security Etc, etc, etc Together with the owner of the security company Who is a great man um, he, He's got a lot of respect for Dr. Pauza As I did as well As many people would probably not believe After everything I did against Dr. Pauza But um I was actually on Dr. Pauza's VIP team. Okay. That was never the intention, though. As a manager of a security company, you are too busy to run around VIPing clients, to put it in such a way. So what happened was Dr. Pauza's driver got ill one weekend. His name was Andres. So they asked me to fill in for him. And where I'm a very vocal person, I can't keep quiet. I don't keep quiet. As everybody probably knows by now in the country, all the tabloids and everybody. Um, as I was driving around Dr. Pauza and we had our escort vehicles, I used to talk to him about anything and everything, not just politics. Strange things, funny things, joke with him. We built up such a relationship that when, when his normal driver came back, he said, no, I want Jan to keep on driving me. So that's how I fell into the Matthew Pauza's scheme of things. Did you then become employed directly by Mr. Pauza? No, no, Pauza? no, I didn't. I still stayed employed by the company who I was the manager of. But on the weekends, Dr. Pauza stays on one specific location, which is not in Pumalanga. And obviously, for security reasons, I'm not mentioning where. And then on weekends, he would sometimes come to some one of or two of his houses in Pumalanga. We would be his VIP team, collecting from the airport, driving around, make sure he's safe, etc. Taking to meetings, etc., etc., etc. So while he was building this house, this house is extremely complicated. It's um, a smart house. It's um, home automation. So everything in this house is automated, or almost automated. For instance. The curtains opens and closes with a press of a button. Um, it's got fountains. It's got you name it. So what Dr. Pauza asked me to do was is to get semi-involved in his house. So I literally at one stage had two jobs. Dr. Pauza paid me a salary and the security company paid me a salary, but I got permission from my boss at the security company that I am allowed to take another 
position up with Dr. Pauza and work for the Pauza family in their house when they are down here on weekends because I got to know how all the electronics in this house worked. Just to give you an example, a stupid example, this house does have a lift in it and the company that runs the lift is up in Joburg. So if somebody gets stuck in the lift, I need to know how to open up this lift and get the person out, which so, happened. So you became close to the Pauza family. Yes. Um, you became a, a, a person that, that spoke on a, on a familiar basis with Dr. Matthews Pauza. And what then transpired? Because you talk about betraying Dr. Pauza. How did this come about? Because you seem to have a good relationship. you helping him with his home. You're driving him around. You're going to meetings with him. And then suddenly, bang, something goes wrong. We came into a very big argument. I'll never forget it. I think it was 2015 on voting day. My father was, was very ill. He was in Pretoria. He was on his deathbed. And I arranged with Dr. Pauza, and I'm not saying this at all to put Dr. Pauza in a bad light. I know at that stage he had a lot of stress, and as we all know, Dr. Pauza is a very busy person. So Dr. Pauza came down to vote, as he always does, in Nelspruit or in White River. After he voted in White River, he came out to the house in my area where I am, and I'm specifically not mentioning the area. After that, um, he wanted to leave, and I said to him, Dr. Paul, I just remember I'm taking a week off or a couple of days off. You won't be back this weekend. Obviously, it's Wednesday already. I'm going to spend some time with my father that's busy passing away. So Dr. Paul's words to me was, and again, I'm saying this, uh, I, I can't say how serious I'm about this. I'm sure Dr. Pauza was under a lot of stress because this is not the type of person he is. His words to me was, what do you want to go and do at your father's place? What do you want to do with your father? He's dying. You're not a doctor. You can't do anything to him. You can't heal him. Um, what do you want to go and do there? I felt very much insulted because... The doctors and everybody said my father was passing away. And this was my last chance to say goodbye to my, and grieve my father's death. So when Dr. Pauza left, I actually sent him an SMS that same afternoon. And I said, I resigned from my job. I'm going to Joburg to spend time with my father. Because my mother, my father and myself and my family were very close. So that's where... The arguments started between myself and Dr. Pauza. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how a betrayal spiraled out of control and led to one of the highest offices in the land. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today my guest in studio is Jan Fenter who worked both in a security capacity as well as virtually a, a home manager for Dr. Matthews Pauza at his home in Pumalanga, assisting him with um, the day-to-day operations of a house that was under construction, driving him around to various meetings and generally getting to know um, Dr. Pauza on a one-on-one basis. Um, my guest has told me that this relationship deteriorated when his dad fell ill and Dr. Dr. Pauza wasn't very keen on giving him time off, which resulted in, in my guest, resigning from the employee of Dr. Pauza. What happened after that? Where did the betrayal come in between you and Dr. Pauza? Well, what happened was, and again, I said I'm coming on to this program to be honest. 
in the past, and I'm keeping my answers as short as possible, in the past, when there was work that needed to be done at Dr. Porza's house, Dr. Porza gave me permission that I could use family or friends to save costs. For instance, the decks at one stage needed to be revarnished and painted. Okay, after about a, uh, six months or a year, it faded. So the cheapest quote I got was from a friend, and I used him. Um, Christmas lights that had to be put onto the house. Cheapest quote that I got, I saved him 40,000 rand by using my ex-wife. So a lot of times I used family and friends to do work at the house, and obviously they made money out of it. They, they, they made their profits. I didn't make a profit on it, but... Well, I can't really say I didn't make a profit. I mean, if it's my ex-wife, obviously I joined in the proceedings. It's as simple as that. So um, when when I left Dr. Pauza's employ, there was a a carpet that needed to be be replaced in Dr. Pauza's main bedroom because the geezer burst. The carpet cost 160,000 rand to replace by the original installer. It was a hand-woven carpet. I got the carpet after I found around for almost 80,000 rand. So what we did was, and again, I was wrong. I was the crook, and I'm admitting to it. As I've said, I will only speak the truth. We loaded 20,000 rand on the price. So Dr. Pauza, obviously this carpet wasn't installed properly, by the time that I resigned and left. And Dr. Pozza found out that we got this carpet at a reduced price, although I saved him 60000 I still loaded 20000 on the price, and it was illegal. It wasn't right. So Dr. Pozza opened criminal cases against me, many of fraud and theft. And then three months later, a news article hit the newspapers. Uh, in the meantime, I moved from Hazyview to Nelspruit. Three months later, I got a call one morning from Yasmin Ali, who was the chief of staff for Didi Mabuza, the premier of Mpumalanga. And she said to me, would I mind if the premier phones me within 20 minutes? Now I was shocked, because who gets a call from the premier of a province? But I said, of course, he could phone me any time. Sure as, sure as I'll, 20 minutes later, I got a call. I've still got his number on my phone today. He's never changed his number. He phoned me. He set up an appointment to see me the next day at 1 o'clock at his house in Mpumalanga at his, um, not private house, but his... Official residence. Uh, official residence, yeah. I went to his house and um, he said to me, in very short, and I'm cutting out a lot of the story now. Um, I walked down. To, we always sat at the veranda at the bottom of the house. It's a very big house. You walk the stairs down. We sat at the veranda, and he said to me, Jan, we can help each other. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I can help you with the Pauza situation and the situation where Dr. Pauza has charged you on numerous occasions, uh, on numerous charges. I will pay for your legal fees. I will pay your lawyers. I will pay your advocates. I will pay for the best. The judges in, in the province listens to me. The provincial commissioners at that stage was General Ntombela of the police listens to me. Nobody will ever arrest you. 
Not one police officer will touch you. So I will protect you if you are willing to lie and say that you saw that Dr. Matthew Sporza drafted a report that said I was an apartheid-era spy. So let me stop you there. You get called to a meeting with the then Premier of Mpumalanga, who's now the Deputy President of the Republic of South Africa. He knows that you are currently in criminal um, litigation with um, the ex-Premier of Mpumalanga, a very well-known lawyer and businessman, Dr. Matthews Pauza, and he says to you, he's going to help you, but there's a quid pro quo involved. You have to now lie on his behalf stating that Matthews Pauza drafted a report outing Mr. Mabuza as being an apartheid-era spy. Was there anybody that witnessed this happening? Yes, there was. At that stage, I must say, we were alone. Um, he was standing, and, and just to prove my point, he was standing on the far left corner of his veranda having a cigarette. He used to smoke Kent, if I'm not mistaken. He asked me if he can come and sit down, and I'm just saying this to prove to people that I'm actually telling the truth. He asked me, do I mind if he sits down and smokes? I said, I smoke myself, so he joined me at the table on the veranda. He said to me that I need to give him an answer straight away because somebody's going to meet up with us very shortly. I asked him, can he please give me a day or two because I realized that this is going to change my life forever. And this is serious. I can still probably get away with a two or three year suspended sentence with the Matthew Sporza case or maybe a year or two in jail rather than going into all these political lies. So before you made this decision, can I ask you, did you in some way envision that you could monetize this for yourself? That this no. could perhaps be a change of life for you? Not at all. Not at that stage. At that stage, my only and absolutely my only way was to get out of the criminal cases with Matthew's pause. So then did you make the statement? Yes, I did. But after a man arrived, he said to me, a man's going to arrive in a couple of minutes that I don't know. And I mustn't answer too many questions about the Mabuza spy allegations. Mabuza did mention to me that he was an apartheid era spy and he made mistakes and that if I can help him, it'll help him to climb the the ladder within the African National Congress and that the African National Congress will not will not trust him if they knew he was an apartheid era spy. So before this third party arrives you've just met the Premier for the first time. Why did he take you so into his confidence to reveal such an earth shattering um, revelation that he in fact um, according to your recollection, spied for the apartheid regime? Well, the only thing that I can think of is he knew, and I, and I put it into words, and, and I can't say into how serious words I put it, how scared I was of this court case between me and Matthew Sporza. I was not sleeping. I was on medication permanently. So he obviously knew that I needed him no matter what. So who is the third man who joined you? 
Ian Smallsmith, attorney Ian Smallsmith, pitched up 10 minutes later. And what happened then? He sat down. I'll never forget it at the end of the table. So it was myself, Diddy, and Ian that sat on the table. Ian took out a writing block and he said to me, I hear that Pausa has taken you to court. And he asked me questions. Now he asked me a lot of questions about the court case and he wrote it down. Now don't ask me today what questions he asked me because I honestly can't remember. At that stage, everything was so confused for me. It was ridiculous. It was like I was living in a dream world. Like, it's not happening. Anyway, um, <laughs> Diddy said, um, he asked me questions. Diddy said, Jan has got a lawyer in Mpumalanga. Ian, make sure that the lawyer gets paid monthly that we get an advocate for Jan to, pr- to protect him against the allegations from Matthew's pause and that we need to speak to people so that he never gets found guilty. So um, Ian said to the Premier, and I could hear out of Ian's way he spoke to the Premier, he had a lot of respect for the Premier. I, at that stage, I was under the impression that Ian Smallsmith was actually the, the 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 lawyer for the premier. That was my thoughts. Later on, I would find out that he wasn't. That he was he was just there in in giving advice and an advisory position. The real lawyer for David uh, for Didi Mabuza is a lawyer in Hazy View called Davis Mkulu. He is. Didi Mabuza's lawyer. So, um, yeah, um, the whole thing spiraled out of control where they said they would pay for my lawyers. Um, the MPA has confirmed that they've paid for my lawyers. Um, all the allegations that I'm making, that I'm making now to you, of on the 23rd of May in, in 2015, uh, t- no, no, 2018. I went to the Hawks. I gave them a full statement, but I didn't go to the Hawks on the condition of, um, of, of, of making a deal. I, I think we need to take a breather now. There's so much we need to take in. Um, you've made some serious allegations regarding a meeting that took place with the then premier of the Mpumalanga um, province, who's now the, the deputy president of the country. And not just do you talk about something that he allegedly told you relating to his life prior to um, South Africa having its first democratic elections, etc., but you've gone on to say that you are asked to participate in a corrupt act. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what happened after you made that statement, um, whether you, in fact, ever retracted that statement, and your time within the Witness Protection Program. HiFM has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech or the description of gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. 
direct any complaints in writing to the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa at P.O. Box 412365 Craig Hall 2024. That's the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. P.O. Box 412365 Craig Hall 2024. Or send an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za. For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Before we break, we had some startling revelations made by our guest in studio, Jan Fenter. Jan claims that he was asked to lie for the Premier of Mpumalanga and that the Premier of Mpumalanga, who now is our sitting Deputy President, in fact opened up to him and shared with him some information which is startling to say the least. Yeah, before we continue, before we get to the MPA, before we get to the whole witness protection, etc., how did you feel being asked to lie about um, Mr. Pauza? And what was it that made it so easy for you once you met with Mr. Ian Smallsmith to make a statement to this effect? What I'm going to say now is probably going to shock the entire audience. But as I said, I promised I'll tell the truth when I walked in there. You get an euphoria of being untouchable. You get this euphoria of nobody can touch you, nobody can do anything against you. Matthew Sposa tried to get me arrested many times. There's no ways you could ever get it done. I walked into the general of Mpumalanga's police department's office as and when I pleased General Bella. I phoned him on his cell phone when I wanted to as and when I pleased I phoned the Premier of Mpumalanga like you phone your mate next door did your conscience not affect you at any stage knowing that you are now part of this and um, what you call lie that was perpetuated to try get back at your ex-boss I was too happy to get out of the criminal charges. Yes, of course, a person has a conscience. There's no doubt about it. And many times, many, many, many times, I would think about it. But many times as well, as I said, I was on Alzam, Zytamol, Fluencil. Now, people that know tablets will know what these tablets do. Pax, Alzam, Zopimed. Now these are all chill medications. They make you relax. So they make you subconsciously not have a conscious, if that makes sense to you. Okay, so help me to understand. You went into witness protection. Was this because of what you said about Dr. Matthews Pauser, or did something develop between you and Premier Mabuza? No. As, us, as you just asked my conscience I'm not going to mention names As I will not put people's lives in danger Anymore Whatsoever And I will fight this fight until the bitter end But I met somebody That put perspective into my life That told me what's right and what's wrong I realized 
that Ian Small Smith over the past three years used me. He paid me in access of 40, 50, sometimes 100,000 rand a month, every month. They bought me cars. They bought me whatever I wanted. Guns. If I saw a new, a new iPhone on the market, I found and I said I wanted it, I got it. But this person put perspective into my life where I needed to clear my conscience. And I went to the Hawks on the 23rd of May. I'll never forget the day. 2018. And I drove into the Hawks' office. And I actually drove to General Labia's office. He wasn't in. I spoke to his secretary and I said I wanted to hand myself over for corruption, money laundering, political assassinations. You name it. I'm willing to... Clear my name. What caused this catalyst? Nobody just hands himself in for what could be life imprisonment. It was very long thoughts. It wasn't just an overnight, now I'm going to do it tomorrow. I need to ask you this. Um, you arrived here today. I don't see bodyguards. I don't see protection. Are you still in witness protection? No. This is the strange thing. When I went into witness protection on the 23rd of May, they didn't even want me to go home that night. That's how serious they took this whole matter. I had to beg and plead to go home and explain to my children and my people that we're all going into witness protection. So what matter? Help us to understand. Did you go there to talk about what had happened with yourself and Dr. Pauza, or did you go there to talk about what you did for Mr. Mabuza? What I did with and for Mr. Mabuza, with and for Ian Smith, with and for Davis Mkulu, with and for David Mishlopu, with and for... You name them. And what are you saying you did for these people? What did you say to the authorities that led them to place you in witness protection? I lied on the witness stand in the high courts of South Africa for David Mabuza. I had to drive around money for David Mabuza. I had to accept. No, I didn't have to. I didn't have to. I'm lying. I enjoyed accepting bribes. I accepted a lot of bribes in the access of a couple of bar. I received money every month. I've got a contract set up by Ian Small Smith, just to give you an example, where he would pay me 40,000 rand a month to Google things on, on the internet and then copy and paste everything and send it to him, and for that he would pay me between forty and a hundred thousand rand a month. Now, with all due respect, a standard six or grade eight today can do that. This was a way to clean money. So this was to clean money that was going to you to buy what from you? Lies. So you are a self-confessed liar. I am a self-confessed liar. I lied to the public at large. I lied to the tabloids and I lied to the court. 
And why are you telling the truth now? Or are you telling the truth? What is preventing you from lying now? If you could lie about Dr. Pauza, what means that you're not lying about Mabuza, Ian Smallsmith, and others? Very legitimate question. Very, very legitimate. That's why I went to the Hawks almost two years ago. And I gave them all the evidence that I've got. What I did was, from day one, I kept a paper trail of every WhatsApp, every SMS, every voice recording on on telephone, every email, everything. I kept the biggest paper trail you've seen in your life. I gave the Hawks full freedom to my Dropbox account. Now let me tell you, now we can get to that point. The Hawks opened an inquest docket. Inquiry. Inquiry docket on the 23rd of May, 2018. Now Chad, I sent you a message last week, an update that was sent to me by the investigating officer because I get two weekly updates. Now, after almost a year and a half of inquiring about all my allegations, that was supposed lies, where I was made out in the newspaper to be the biggest liar in the country, the MPA took the inquiry docket, the Hawks took the inquiry docket to the MPA. On the 12th of December this year, now this month, a case was registered by the Hawks at Nelspreit SAPS under case number 250 of 12, 2019. This was confirmed to me on Friday night by the spokesperson of the Hawks. This was confirmed to me, and we can play the recording, it's on my phone. By a detective from now spread SAPS that the Hawks opened a criminal case on all my allegations. And who are those allegations against? Didi Mabuza, Ian Small Smith, um, David Mishlopu, and a wide range of people. Now, if you read the Sunday Times, uh, the, 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 the City Press, of roughly about a month ago. Siswe Samasiande. I sent him an update again. I was in big trouble. The Hawks were very upset with me. Where the Hawks admitted, admitted that they found the people that bought me the cars. They found the people that bought me the guns. They found the people that bought me all these things that I apparently lied about. So now it's not lies anymore. Now it's in fact the truth. So, so Jan, this needs to be tested in court. Of course. You no longer in witness protection. What makes you come and sit and talk to me today about this? Because I don't fear Didi Mabuza. If he wants to kill me today, let him come. I don't fear these people anymore. 
I've feared them for a very, very long time. Are you ready to have your entire life being exposed on the stand where you have admitted to taking money by overinflating invoices while helping Dr. Pauza furnish his house, replace carpets, etc., where you've admitted to lying about Dr. Pauza purportedly creating a document that cost uh, Mr. Mabuza in a bad light. Are you prepared for the damage that this can do to you and your family? And what do you believe will be the standout reason why you will be believed? Because right now, sitting here, it's almost fantastical. The, 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 the disconnect from reality when you talk about political assassinations, guns, money in bags, sounds like a movie. It does. It does. It feels like many times it feels like I lived a movie. In hindsight, if I can go back 10 years, I would have never taken the original job in AZVU. I would never have gone there. I would never have gotten involved with Dr. Pauza, although him and his family are great people. So you've retracted the the statement you made about witnessing Dr. Pauza yes. fabricating um, information rela- related to Mr. Mabuza? As far as I know, yes. What prevents you from retracting the information you've given of events that purportedly took place between yourself, Mr. Mabuza, and Mr. Smallsmith? I can't. I can't retract it. Remember one thing now. The Hawks have got my entire bank statements for the past four years. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying they do. But a lot of other people that's given me money... I'm sure they've got their bank statements as well to prove the, where the money came from. Um, where you ask and where we discuss the lying aspect, that's why I'm coming out with everything. I have lost everything in my life. I have nothing to lose. I've lost everything due to Didi Mabuza. How do you get your credibility back, Jan? By telling the truth. And how do you prove it's the truth? By the Hawks investigating this matter properly. By the Hawks, like they just did, charging the people. What stops you changing your story if somebody comes with a fat checkbook? I can't stop my story. How can I stop my story? The Hawks have all the evidence. At this moment in time, the Hawks... And I have this from the investigating officer, who obviously his name I can't mention on radio because it's too dangerous, have 13 lever arch files full of evidence against Didi Mabuza. Now, how can that be lies? Are you not afraid of taking on such powerful people? What can they do to me? You spoke about political assassinations. Okay, so what can they do to me? I'm asking you, Chad, what, what can Didi Mabuza do to me? In terms of what you've said, you've already admitted to perjuring yourself on the stand. Obviously, your credibility is in question. What about being tied up in court 
for making allegations that perhaps you feel you have the evidence of, but that evidence isn't sufficient to stand up? Or are you wholly confident that what you have and what you've presented to the authorities will stand up under scrutiny? Okay, let's put it to you this way. The case that was just opened with Nelspread SAPS was not opened by me. This case was actually opened by the Hawks and the NPA. Now, Achamila Batoy herself said they will not charge people if they can't prove something for 100%. So, so in your opinion, right now, as we sit here, there's an active investigation against the deputy president of South Africa. It's a fact. It's, 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 it's a fact. You've got the WhatsApp. Um, phone us by SAPS and ask them about the case number. It's not my imagination. It was my update that I got. And you say that this investigation is as a result of a two-year inquiry. Yes. From the 20, well, not two years, year and a half. From the 23rd of May 2019. I was kicked out of witness protection. I just want to go into this very, very, very quickly. I was kicked out of witness protection because this matter didn't go anywhere. I asked every week for, for almost a year. Um, I was told in the newspapers there was, there was big articles that were said that, um, um, I, I was using taxpayers' monies. I just want to set the record straight. I was put in witness protection. I didn't ask to go and put in to witness protection. Um, I know that that um, they said to me I must prepare myself for another five, six years in witness protection, which I would not allow. So, Jan, if they've now gone to the extent of opening a criminal case based on the inquiry, why have they not put you back into witness protection? Surely now, more than ever... You should be in witness protection <laughs> if those allegations are to be uh, made in court and you are meant to be a witness in court. Chad, I cannot agree with you more. I cannot agree with you more. Now, the head of witness protection with the MPA, I'm just going to mention her surname because I'm not allowed to mention her name. Well, then rather not mention her surname either. Okay, okay. Well, the head, the national head of witness protection, does not like me. She kicked me out of witness protection because after a year, nothing, I didn't get any feedback on this case. So I sent out a global email to all political parties. And radio stations to find out what's going on with this case. This was after a year in witness protection. If I wanted to chow up taxpayers' money, I would sit back, relax, and earn my twenty, thirty thousand rand that I was getting from the MPI every month, um, and I would keep quiet. But I wasn't happy with the money. It wasn't about the money. It was about the case. So when I sent this global email out. I was kicked out of witness protection by the head, national head of witness protection because they were spiteful. That's why they kicked me out. My life is more in danger today than what it was ever be. 
All right, I understand how the witness protection program works. You also expected to sign an agreement yes. and abide by certain conditions. Did you sign an agreement and did you at any stage not abide by the terms of that agreement? Yes, I did because the agreement is absolutely ridiculous. How can they expect me, my 73 year old mother, that's also very ill, not to phone her? How can they expect me to do that? How can they expect me not to speak to my children of very young ages? How can they expect me not to speak to very close family members? Am I under arrest or am I in witness protection? That's where the difference comes in. Then they should pick me up at my witness protection house where I'm protected, take me to another region and let me make the phone calls. But they never did that. The NPA is such big liars, it's not even a joke. Shamila Batoy, I've sent you, Chad, in access of 98 requests for meetings with Cyril Ramaphosa where he's ducking and diving me because he knows the truth about Didi Mabuza. He made a deal with the devil and he cannot get out of it. He does not know how to get out of it and unfortunately in the next Congress he's going to be kicked out and come hello high water they will have to kill me but Didi Mabuza will not become the next president of this country. That was very passionate, but what I take away a lot of the times that you've, you've, you've made mention during this radio conversation of what's transpired is that you also perceive that you've become a victim in all of this. Why, why do you think perhaps you were persecuted by the witness protection program by certain elements within the NPA or perhaps people within the Hawks that didn't take it seriously up until you say this case was registered beginning December? No, 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 not at all. No, I think that's where we got it wrong, Chad. What happened was... Um, they didn't take it serious until I sent the global email out in June 2019. That's when they started taking it serious. Then I started getting questions from the Hawks. Then I started getting feedback from the Hawks. I've even got an email that the investigating officer sent me now, a month ago. At nothing, they only started with the investigation in May 2019. So why leave me in witness protection for a year? Basically house arrest, because I could never leave that house. I've been in the newspapers, in the tabloids too often for me to leave the house. I was under house arrest. So now, because I don't get any feedback, I send this email out to everybody for help to get attention, to get somebody, to get the Hawks. Um, Glynis Breitenbach, John Stiernazen, they all flew down to to speak to the investigating officer. They know about the case. The opposition. The opposition. They know about the case. But they refuse to get involved. They say they cannot get involved as a political party. Now, please explain one thing to me. I love Glynis like you can't believe but how in the world can the shadow minister of justice say we cannot get involved in a matter that is so serious 
Yeah, we could go on for another two hours. You've made some seriously hard-hitting allegations today. You've told us about an active investigation, which we hope um, reveals the truth in all of this. In closing, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you earlier. What makes you now believable, considering the amount of times you flipped? Don't believe me. That's what I'm saying. Don't believe a word I'm saying. I'm saying that to the entire nation. Believe what the Hawks Investigation Department uncovers. Believe the fact that the MPA and the Hawks opened criminal cases at Nelspate SAPS, which they would not have done if there wasn't merits. So don't believe me. Believe the Hawks. Believe the MPA. But what I want to say is, if what I said to the Hawks more than a year ago was a lie, a criminal case would never have been opened this month by the Hawks in Nelspreet, SAPS, against these people. Jan Fenter, thank you so much for coming in today. You've made some startling allegations. Um, I think it's comforting to know that there is an investigation taking place. Um, I think it's disconcerting that you're not in any type of witness protection program, and I'm sure there's there's reasons that the state has, but it needs to come out. And um, I'm sure you're talking to journalists, I'm sure you're talking to investigators, and I'm sure you're talking to other um, NGOs, NPOs, and political parties that are that are interested in what you have to say. It's just one thing I want to say while everybody is listening. And I want to say this to the head of the MPA's witness protection program. You guys know I had no choice but to send out that global email. You guys know I had no choice because I didn't get any feedback from the investigating officer. But the MPA also, it's their mandate to keep me safe as their main witness. And simply... I'm asking them to make sure that my family gets put back into witness protection immediately because my life has never been in more danger than what it is right now after a criminal case has been opened, not by me, but by the Hawks and the NPA. And Shamila Atoy, please wake up and stop prosecuting people the way you promised in February 2018. And so the meeting asked for, can we please have it at some stage? Thank you. You heard this live on Confidential Brief on Chai FM. That was Jan Fenter. And you can make up your own mind. But uh, I encourage you to read the newspapers, to follow the story, and let's see where this leads. My name is Chad Thomas. I'll be back with 2019 in review on the 30th of December.